Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. All right, we on? We're, We're on. on. We're rolling. Welcome to the podcast. This is Father John. I'm handing somebody a water, our guest, and we'll be introducing her. Father Sean, it's great to be back. I'm your water's back there. Oh, wait, I stole your water? I got three waters right now, so... <laughs> Um, Father Sean, great to be with you. You too. Father it John. has been a long time. Last time I recorded was uh, from the trail. Yes, that's right. I was not there, but you, Mike, and Jacob were there. Yeah. So I was on the trail with you, but we didn't record. So we had a great few days. Um, Father Sean brought probably the biggest group, about twelve guys. Twelve guys. Sixteen. F- four days stretch. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we were sixteen or seventeen total, I think. Sixteen. Yeah. And uh, we started uh, near Mount Princeton Hot Springs, if you know, Buena Vista, Colorado, kind of there, and then ended up just south of Crested Butte and celebrated hard. But uh, it was great. It was great. All the boys. Uh, they made it. They made it. It was a barn burner. The it dogs were barking. You know? It was a barn burner, right? <laughs> the legs feed the wolves. You remember right. that from Miracle? Yeah. They, oh, yeah, the Miracle. That's uh, right. What a great movie. It was, uh, that was a great, one of our favorite groups. So yeah, myself and three guys through hiking the trail. Yeah, welcome back. Hating living in the city now uh, in this insufferable heat, uh, wishing we were back in the backcountry, but um, here we are. Here we are. Back to real life. We have a guest today. Summer is over. Summer is over. And she's leaving us forever. That's right. Now we have a guest. Do you want to talk about her? This is Kate Spacia. She is from Minnesota. She went to the University of St. Thomas. She's joining us today because she's about to enter the convent, which means we'll never see her again. So. <laughs> That's true. Sorry, I'm being really awkward. We're, we're sharing one microphone, so let's get in close. Yeah, that's true. I'm from, I'm from New Chicago originally. Oh, Joliet. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's right. But I then I went that. to school in Minnesota. I knew that. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah, but now I'm leaving forever. So. That's yeah, right. That's the joke. All right, so Sean, ask Kate about how I met her. Kate, how did you meet <laughs> Father John? I just want to hear how, <laughs> how she describes it. Um, well, you like, get a little the closer nice to answer, the mic. The nice answer go. is that I was his student in Rome in 2019. Mm. Um, I was studying with Catholic studies in Rome, and he was my chaplain. Um, the true answer is that I was super mean to him, mean, short with him at a dinner. Yeah, I've never seen the movie uh, Mean Girls, but uh, the plastics. <laughs> I happened plastics. to sit at a table with all the plastics. And Lindsay Lohan. It was, it was insane. It was literally the worst first impression I've ever had of somebody. Wait, ever. so were there were there four girls or what? Yeah, but she was the pack. She was the wolf pack leader. Yes. I mean, it was literally the worst. I left, and I'm like uh, uh, losing my mind in my last semester as a doctoral student, and I'm like, I've lost my edge. I can't even relate to college girls. <laughs> but then she changed, so then. So then we became friends. We went to a CC together. A lot of stuff went down. <laughs> and then I ended up on the boys' trip to Switzerland. That's how I think we got close, right? right? That's when we knew we were close. Shout out to Eamon Naughton, who, uh, so I, this is back in, in the Rome days. I was a college chaplain for the University of St. Thomas has this Catholic studies program. And it's Sco an, Tommies. Sco Tommies <laughs> has a great uh, spring semester in Rome at the Bernardi campus. Beautiful. And not just like uh, kind of blow all your parents' money and, you know, travel around. Uh, it's actually like a really great program. Professors come. The courses are excellent. The formation is really good. And so I was a 
on the dream dream team of chaplains with uh, Father Austin and uh, Were you with Coop as well, or just Father Evan Coop that's right, and okay. uh, Father Joe McGill. And I will I will leave to your imagination who's who on the dream che- dream team. Except that I'm Michael Jordan, of course, and uh, Joe McGill is definitely Charles Barkley, and Coop is probably it sounds like the Larry four of Bird. You, it sounds like the four of you are the plastics of the priests, you know? For sure. <laughs> For sure. And he was the leader. He's Regina. <laughs> That's awesome. Regina. So uh, we had a great semester. We had three uh, semesters. This is like the claw from Toy Story. <laughs> it's like just attacking these microphones. Us, these microphones. Sorry, we'll get more microphones. We need four, you know? We have microphones. They well, just happened to be in Father Mike Rapp's car, and we couldn't get a hold of him. Father Mike goes to Minnesota three days. Goes to and Minnesota. doesn't even tell anyone. So I broke into his room this morning. I couldn't find it. So. <laughs> was um, it clean? It was clean. That's good. The whole house was clean. I, I kind of couldn't believe it. Uh, my room is not clean, so. Yeah, that's how it starts. That's how it starts. The inevitable slide. That's right. So anyway, so uh, Kate got onto the boys' trip. Eamon, uh, I said, if you come to study abroad in Rome, I'll take you and your buddies to Switzerland. And then I'm buying the tickets, and all of a sudden, Eamon's like, Kate, do you mind if Kate comes? And I was like, uh, she just invited herself. But that was amazing. Yeah. So then. Yeah, that was like the best trip ever. And Joe Miguel was, Father Joe Miguel was there too. Then Joe Miguel, seminarian. Um yeah, so we got close, and then I moved to Denver after I graduated in 2020 um, to pursue my master's degree here. At and the AI? At the AI, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. So I got my master's degree in theology um, in May, and then being near you, yeah. like we maintained the friendship probably more than most other students did, I would say. That's great, and there was like some spiritual direction there as well, right? Yeah, so uh, Kate became um, very much so a spiritual daughter uh, and remains one and always will be, but um, just one of my absolute uh, favorite students and uh, just a close connection. And so she moves to Denver, and then um, I just am very blessed to kind of continue with you in that role uh, and then walk with you through what I think we would call a rather unexpected uh, discernment, right, would you say? Yeah, it, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, so for those listening, I'm entering um, with the Sisters of Mary Morningstar, which is a French order. Um, their novice home is in Ghent, Minnesota, in this coming September. Um, and it was, I wouldn't say it was a fast discernment. Like, I said unexpected. <laughs> it, was, it was unexpected, yeah, for a variety of reasons, probably. To quote her father, he said... Kate, you're too good looking to be a nun. <laughs> and it was like, I think that was a dad compliment, you know? Uh, but yeah, I, I say unexpected because, um, well, yeah, I should let you tell the story of your vocation. But um, one of the reasons we're doing this podcast is because you've discerned uh, not just religious life, but a very particular kind of religious life. And that's what we want to kind of unpack and explain a little bit. This podcast is kind of for family and friends because Kate is leaving here in the next few weeks. And so I really appreciate Father Sean letting us have her on. And I, so she'll be September 10th dropping her off at the Sisters of Mary Morningstar. All right. <laughs> You're going to start talking with a French accent. This is the worst, so walk the worst me, French accent. Walk me through the discernment. Um, how'd you get here? We've been open to, we've been open to the call for a while, right. I would say. 
there was a period of time where I was discerning consecrated virginity in the world. Hmm. Um, and that just sort of faded. And then it was just like being open and trying to be ready um, for a while. And then I think I did come to an intellectual understanding that contemplative life might be a better fit, whatever that means for my personality. Um, and then just sort of providentially ran into a friend who was at the time at the Sisters of Mary Morningstar. Um, she was on there the, the first year that I'm about to enter at the time. Um, at a bachelorette party, funnily enough. Wait, then she was a nun at a bachelorette <laughs> so party? So she was, she was in the discernment year. They, you're not even a novice yet. Gotcha. Um, she got COVID and had to stay away for an extra long time so she could come to this bachelorette party, basically. Mm-hmm. Bella Eckert, love you. Um, and I came back from this party and like went on a walk with Father John and I was like, basically like, I'm super interested I think you were like, what did you do at this bachelorette party? Yeah. <laughs> did you even drink? <laughs> um, but got to talking with her for a while, um, and their their charisms were attractive, more than attractive. It was like I was very p- pulled towards them. Um, so that was the start, I would say. Yeah. So you, you found their order first. Well, how would you describe their... Well, I guess two questions. How would you describe their charism? And then... Um, did you look at any other orders, you know, like the, the sisters in New Alm, the sisters of life, et cetera? Yeah. I didn't look anywhere else. Yeah. I was treating it like in my mind, like dating. Like if someone came across my path and I was interested and they invited me, I would receive them. Yeah. So that, that was my um, approach. I wasn't visiting convents. Um, it reached out to me and I like let it in at least in terms of discernment. So I started praying with it and, and fasting with that prayer and, and things like that. Mm. Um, they're, so they're contemplative, non-cloistered, which means people can come in. They like having visitors. Um, I can go on a home visit every once in a while. They, uh, their four charisms are prayer, especially an imitation of Our Lady, um, fraternal charity, study. So they, um, they're mostly Thomistic, like they'll study for the rest of their lives. Wow. And then um, manual labor. So they do like monastic craft, um, like leather working and. I thought you were going to say sewing uh, <laughs> or basket weaving. <laughs> no. And we won't hold it against them for being Thomistic. That's all yeah, right. No, we're going to get used to it. No, I'm just okay. joking. Um, yeah, the uh, uh, last time we had uh, a woman on the podcast who was discerning religious life, yeah. she joined the Handmaids of the Heart of Jesus, Becca, the artist formerly known as Becca Messel, now Sister Annunciata Maria. Who, uh, this is a much tamer experience because the last time it was four of us after a very, very long steak dinner where possibly some libations were had. And Paul, our friend Paul Palumbo, described the podcast as four celibate men attempt a conversation with a woman. So this is just two. Two celibate men. Uh, two celibate men. Um, I think one of the interesting things about your community is that it is contemplative but not cloistered. So could you explain uh, that distinction for us? Yeah, so some people have the really beautiful grace of um, going away into the cloister and essentially um, like leaving the world forever and always um, to pray. And I have not been inviting, invited into that. I've been invited into a contemplative community, so their work is prayer. Like they're called to pray. 
the worship of the Lord in prayer is the purpose for their community. But um, they have a really strong belief that people they like people need to come in and see the contemplative lifestyle. Um, and I myself have benefited from that. The fact that I could spend 10 days with them wow. um, and like really into their life, just step into it. Um, it was he, like huge for my discernment and the fact that I can spend this year and that families can come in and see that. Um, I think they understand that, you know, sometimes you need to be cloistered and sometimes like the world needs to be able to step in um, and look at this really different type of life. So, so this is con- contemplative non-cloistered. What does like your apostolate look like then? Do you guys do any work in the world? Do you guys do like teaching or things like that? No, basically none. So a lot of prayer. It's yeah, it's like eight or nine hours a day of prayer. So I should take a retreat there then. You should. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, in the morning they study and then in the afternoon they work and then in between they pray. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do they get bored? It doesn't seem like it. Um, I know my mom was like, what are you going to fill your days with? I was like, I think they're pretty busy. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. That's yeah. great. Yeah. Ghent, Minnesota is beautiful this time of year. So, you know, you have to go. Thomas de Ghent. Thomas de Ghent. Um, so uh, going back a little bit earlier into uh, just from a spiritual father perspective, um, I think probably one of the things as you're talking to family and friends is they just looks very sudden, you know, like, like, what, what are you doing? You're just kind of throwing your life away. You're just running off. And it's like, but as you mentioned earlier, this has been a very slow process um, that we've taken step by step. Um, I would certainly say there was moments of uh, when certain people catalyzed it, you know, it just kind of, it got uh, one of which is my father. Uh, ever since the stroke, he's become the vocational prophet. So if you have a problem and can't solve your vocation, come just talk to my dad for five minutes and he will probably tell you to be a religious sister. Yeah. Uh, but he just looked right into your soul and, and I was like, yeah. well, that was intense. Uh, do you remember that? In, yeah. In 2019, my first conversation with Daryl Neffel, I was like, hi, I'm Kate. Hi, I'm Daryl. Are you dating anyone? I was at the time. I said, yes. He was like, you should think about becoming a sister. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> And, and he's probably the most proud of me out of any. He definitely is. He definitely is. So there are, there are, God uses these funny moments, but um, it really began, I remember in our early conversations, just a general openness, you know, like to get to a point spiritually um, where you just, your, your heart is kind of open to the pot, like really open, like not just like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it, but I'm definitely going to kind of avoid this topic at all um, and just kind of allow it. Um, and then he slowly starts to kind of move in that direction. But when it happened, it happened. It was, and all three of us, you know, Shani and I went to seminary at 18. So, uh, like, when he when the call comes, you go. Uh, but it's about the preparation and the openness for the call. And so I don't know if you have any thoughts on that about just kind of the, the, the way that it went down. Because there was a, it wasn't sudden, but it was it was a definitive moment when you looked at me and you were like, this is this is it. And I was like, wow, this is really, um, it was really beautiful. So I don't know if that's even a question. Yeah. I, I've been reflecting a lot on how, like for years since I've met you, I've been listening to you talk about how we have to imitate like the Marian, like 
postured receptivity and what the heck does that mean um and like still wondering what that means in some way but trying it Mm -hmm. with you in in direction and particularly with like certain books we read and things like that Mm -hmm. um and i think like trying in full knowledge that for a long time i've been like wanting um to like really give myself away like really aching to be vowed Mm. um trying to imitate that like trying to be open and not even knowing what that means and trying to be um unspecific with my desires in prayer and in um just in my life yeah so i think for like it was just a lot of that and it was a lot of like this isn't doing anything and yet i'm gonna keep going um and then all of a sudden I met up with Bella and I was listening about this comment and then um, at the same time I was working on the the school that the high school that's opening up here um, which is a really beautiful project and um, I said to Father John in just like a really blessed moment I think um, that like if I don't get a job at this school I'm I'm going to the convent and it wasn't like an ultimatum with God it was like I really trust his omnipotence in this moment um, like, I really trust the divine will. Um, and so then it was just, like, we were both good with that, right? Yeah. Um, it wasn't flippant. And so then it was just, like, waiting. And that was difficult because it was, like, I was seeing two paths of my life open up before me. It was, like, I was having good interviews with John Paul the Great, and it was sounding promising, and contracts were being discussed. Um, and then all of a sudden... Um, it wasn't, it wasn't open anymore. Mm-hmm. And I like, I prayed about it a lot before I met up with you, but it was just like this full knowledge. Like I said that and I trusted that the Lord's, the Lord's will would be done. Mm-hmm. And now I trust it. And that's when we met up. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I think what really strikes me there, Kate is, um, love always demands a vow. You know, and, and when we fall in love with something, we, we, we desire to vow ourselves to him or to her. And right, that's the, the marriage vocation, but also the celibate vocation. Like you will take vows, you know, as a religious sister. Um, we're not as intense. We take promises, you know, but um, no, they're essentially the same. And the love that we experience of God, we're like, we, we want to do something radical. Uh I think one of the challenges though, I, men, men can always go to diocesan seminary, right? And then some men, they, they find themselves in seminary and they're like, I don't belong here. I need to go join a religious order. Mm-hmm. Uh, but w- women don't have that in the same way. So like, did you have any resistance there of like, am, I, is this really the right order? Should I go discern a different, I know you spoke to this just previously, but should I go discern a different charism or, um, is, cause there's no uh, diocesan life for women. So like, how'd you know this is the one? uh, that you're, that you're entering. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pretty decisive. It was, um, I think I, I've never struggled with the idea of like, oh, there's too many options. I'm just going to go look at all of them. It's like, this one presented itself to me. Um, I think that's how the Lord works. I think that decisions walk towards us and we have to meet them. Um, and I met it Mm -hmm. and that was it. And if I go and something doesn't work out in the year and I come back and then something else calls me, I'll go to that. But um, right now, like this, this is the one that spoke. Yeah. And then I'm t- 
trying to respond. That's yeah. amazing. And then maybe one last question. I, I can tell Father John really wants to talk here. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, um, what about resistance? Because I know, like, especially when we make big decisions like this, um, the enemy really tries to attack us. I remember when I entered seminary and there was just a lot of things coming up. I remember when I entered seminary uh, or about to, I applied to seminary, got accepted. And then like all of a sudden these like four girls are like totally interested in you, you know? And it's like, there's pain there and yeah. there's some resistance of yeah. family or friends or things that come up. Like how have you handled that resistance and how have you uh, kind of responded to that? Yeah. Um, yeah, I said, I said to Cody, I think, um, have you read the story of St. Mary of Egypt? I don't think so. Okay. It's a good one. It's online, but she talks about, she leads this horribly sinful life, which is like not the comparison I'm trying to make. She goes into the desert and becomes super holy, but discusses how for 17 years, every single day she's tempted to go back. Mm. And there's something about that that speaks to this summer. That's like, yeah, every temptation that could present itself has. Mm -hmm. Um, and every single day it's like, even if it's just like, this is really good and I want to stay here. You know, we were, we had an awesome night the other Tuesday night. We had a, like a really beautiful mass and party with all the people I love the most and sitting around this fire. And I was like, I just want to like stay here forever. Right. Um, and I, you know, I have to go. Um, but yeah, the, I think the temptations express themselves differently. There's the things you expect. So it's like, yeah, there's a guy that always been interested in all of a sudden appears, you know, um, mm -hmm. And then it it gets deeper and it gets more difficult from that too. But how have I resisted? I think just like the consist the strength of the call. Mm. Uh, like every day, like actually I know I have to go. Actually I know this is what I'm being asked to do. Yeah. So even no matter what I feel, um, I have to. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I think we have to have spiritual directors if we're going to discern a supernatural vocation, like especially like consecrated life. Um, because you just needed somebody to say, um, here's what I'm feeling. Here's what's going on. And you need, we just all need somebody to remind us to be like, this is actually what you want. Yeah. Like this is indeed actually what you, your heart desires. But yeah, I mean, I look back at last January, February and you know, the, the, the openness was there to consecrated life. It was certainly like a viable possibility. And then all of a sudden, all of the circumstances of your life point in the opposite direction, you know? starting a brand new high school you're finishing um the your graduate studies right as the school is starting i'm on the board uh you're a perfect fit and then dreamboat you know comes out of out of nowhere uh and he's writing you and he's interested in beginning a conversation you might be listening to this sorry well that's all right <laughs> and uh so it's okay but it was just like i was like well that's the end of that uh and then Doors started shutting, um, and your heart was immediately kind of attracted to Christ um, in this form, and the call came, and you, you had the ability to hear his voice and actually to respond to that. Um, and so I just say that because it's not all just temptation. It's also like really good things, like you're bidding farewell to the world. Um, and I made this like really dark comment at like 1130 at night. I was like, this group of people will never be together ever again. And everybody's like, oh, thanks, man. And I was like, no, but think about that. Like, this is, but we never would have come together except for you, except for the fact that we're bidding you farewell. It's like, 
that scene in, in the Acts of the Apostles and Paul's on the side of the sea and they're just embracing him because they know he's like, I will never see you again. Mm-hmm. Um, now we will see you again. I'm taking you up to the convent here in a couple weeks. But just to say that, that like all of the emotions are involved, but beneath beneath all of this was is a woman who knows the voice of the Lord, who heard a call uh, and responded really beautifully. And it, it's an honor and a privilege for us to be your fathers and your friends to watch that. So, yeah, I didn't mean to make it sound like all darkness. Um, yeah, I think there's been the constant abiding joy that, like, I don't have to be my own mm-hmm. if I was res- like if I respond to this. Like, I don't want to be my own. Um, and this is a really clear way to give myself away. So it's been amazing in that way. Yeah. yeah. And everything I said to Father John, we're sitting around this fire and I like, I couldn't remember the name of the book, but Diary of a Country Priest <laughs> ends with everything is grace. Mm-hmm. And that's how it's felt since it's like, I responded like everything I look around is lost, but everything is, was gift anyway. Yeah. So it's been really beautiful. Yeah. 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 That is beautiful. Again, love, love demands a vow. And so I think there's always those positive things. Um, yeah, I guess why I asked about the resistance, the negative things is cause I think, uh, those come up, you know, so maybe to spin it this way as well. Like what, what are you looking most forward to entering the convent? Yeah. I mean the simplicity of the life. Yeah. I like to work. I want to pray more. I want to be, you know, be closer to Jesus in that way. I like to study. I think um, it would be such a gift, and I, like, I pray for the grace to stay, mm. because I think living that life for him in such like a simple way would be um, just like a massive gift. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Yeah. Do you guys by chance make breviary covers? We do. All right. <laughs> in Magnificat covers, uh, yeah. Yeah, so but, a lot of leather work. Yeah. Belts? Leather work belts shoes all right you have to come though they don't have a website <laughs> okay good to know yeah. all right well, we expect those first two brevi covers then when you get to work in september um okay can i take it a little deeper yeah. all right so part of the suffering yeah. has also been the fact that the community you're joining uh is a reformed community so they left a different community I'm sorry, I just want to acknowledge this yeah. because there are we have f- close friends yeah. who are, and we're not going to go into the details, but um, there is a temptation with religious life to look for the perfect community and to discern in a vacuum. So I want the, I want the perfect climate-controlled Eucharistic chapel where I can bliss out of all experience mm-hmm. of everything concrete and then get kind of the i don't know the electromagnetic charge that says you're going to this community this isn't how discernment works right uh and one of the things i love about what you said about uh, father sean earlier was like um i didn't shop around in the marketplace of religious communities um i was living my life christ came in and, and spoke this profound call and it happened within these circumstances where i found myself in this discernment with this community um, but there's a lot of people who uh, they look at the past or they make judgments um, 
and they say, well, there's no, you know, everybody has an opinion about everything, especially in, in the Catholic world. And I just know that's been a source of suffering. And again, I don't, we don't need to go into it, but I just wanted you to yeah, have the opportunity no, to say it's, that it's because, good. yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think um, one of the most painful responses I've received is like, why don't you just become a Benedictine or why don't you just become a Dominican? Um, and A, because it, I think the prideful part of me was like, finally, now that I'm like joining a comment, people will think I'm Catholic enough, mm. which is something I've had, I'm going to have to detach from and I have been suffering through. But B, um, it's like you said, and like you've said many times on the podcast, I think this is a call. Like if this is what Jesus wants me to do and to be with them, and maybe it'd be easier with other communities. I don't know. I, I think all human communities are human um even if they have a supernatural call so there's going to be something in them not the companions they're perfect they float around (laughs) um so i just i i think i'm really aware of that reality that nowhere is perfect that's never been my expectation or my desire um so but yes that's been maybe the greatest suffering of the summer Mm. um yeah and i um it's been an interesting experience uh, I've worked with several uh, women over the last 10 years, 12 years uh, as a priest uh, who have discerned consecrated life. And with all of them, I never told them where to go. Um, it just happened. Uh, my, my job was to help them understand that they were experiencing the call to consecrated life. Um, but I was never like, you got to go to this community with Becca, with Shannon, with Andrea and Consecrated Life, um, with Sister Catherine um, Wessel. Catherine Wessel. I just, I don't, I wasn't that much helpful, but then, yeah, there's another, another Katarina Joy uh, in the Dominican. So the, I like the way you compared it to like meeting a man. Like if you met a man and were attracted to him and desired to date him, you wouldn't be like, oh, I'll go on one date with you. And then I'm going to go on 25 other dates with these other guys. It would just be like, you start walking down this path because when a trail presents itself and a turn, you take a turn and that's where you go. And, Mm -hmm. um, so I just think, uh, well, yeah, I just, I'm so damn proud of you because, um, the call came, you responded and then the suffering of, yeah, this isn't everybody just saying their two cents. Um, and people, you know, really trying to love you in it, but but not trusting you. Because yeah. I, I hope you remember that when I said to you, I was like, if this community is crazy, yeah. I trust you mm. and you'll leave because you, you, you have, though you might not be the best with first impressions, <laughs> and thank God they accepted you after you showed up at the convent. Yeah. Uh, you, you are a very good read of character and you, you, there's no BS and there's not that kind of dreamy angelism that sometimes gets played into when people have bad experiences in religious life. And so you're, you're sober minded in the best way. Um, and, and then it's the adventure. It's the risk of following, of following him. There's always risk, you know, at any community. And, uh, so that's plenty for me though. I'm sorry. Yeah. Anything else? That was great. I think, and just to echo that as well, I think, when people live their life of like, um, is this the one, like a, a lot of, uh, people who are dating, is this the one, is this the person I'm supposed to marry? Uh, when you get into that, when we get into that mindset, it's like, 
you'll never be satisfied because you're always going to wonder, is there, is this actually the person God wants me to be with? You know, I think there's, to your point, Kate, there's, there's many convents out there that you could have joined, but like mm-hmm. the Lord put your heart on this one. Mm-hmm. And if you said, oh, like should go discover more charisms. No, like the Lord opened this door and you walk down the trail and you just see uh, if the Lord is going to continue to, you know, open those doors as you, you know, enter in and uh, join for the next, um, well, your whole life, I guess, you know, yeah. hopefully. But um, I think that's spot on and I think that's very true. I just think that's good for people to remember that um, you're going to you're gonna be dissatisfied with your life if you're always looking for, is this really uh, the one? Is this is this person the one? Is this next step the one? We just, mm-hmm. we, we trust in the Lord where he's leading us and guiding us and go from there. Following Christ is uh, a path to the cross um, and through the cross to the resurrection. But that means by this, the, the spiritual cross is the way of not knowing, right? Of non-comprehension. Mm-hmm. Um, things don't always make more sense as we go because God is in, is t- completely transcendent and mysterious and incomprehensible. And so to come into deeper union with him, it's a darker place to be. Um, and there's something about that in the call. Um, what I would say is that um, your life doesn't make any sense to somebody who doesn't believe in the event of Jesus Christ. And that's a beautiful, that's a beautiful place to be. Um, but that's also going to be hard and that has to be suffered. Um, and so you're stepping, you're stepping in some ways to be consecrated is to step off the path and into the wilderness of God's love. And that's what your life will be specifically as a contemplative woman. Um, and we're happy you're not cloistered because we get to see you and come pick up our breviary covers soon. So, that's right. uh, any final last words, um, especially if we got kind of family friends listening. Well, can I ask you, if you ha- if Todd Franker is sitting next to you and asks you why contemplative life, what's your answer? Because I think you can say it better than me. Uh, if Todd Franker is sitting next, I would say run as fast as you can. No, I would. I would. There's a lot of different ways we could talk about this, but I would just quote from the homily I gave you on Tuesday: "Mary Morning Star." Um, so it's to be Marian, uh, which is a mode of total feminine receptivity which is the mode of creation. So she expresses the totality of things that are not God and the way that they are to relate to God in order to come to union. But Mary, specifically as morning star, uh, Cody said when he was sailing around the world, the the morning star really was something, and it really did guide you, and it really was that profound first experience of um, before dawn when uh, everything is kind of illuminating. Um... And so I offered that and compared it to the experience of childlikeness, um, that somewhere in all of this messed up humanity and in a world that's desperately running around trying to fix itself, there has to be somebody who stops and just prays. Um, And prays without any sense of really knowing anything, without accomplishing anything, without kind of doing things, without having anything to show for their life, um, to not serve a purpose but to live an intensely meaningful life. Um, this is this is the vita contemplativa, which was the highest form of life uh, in the Middle Ages and has always been. And that's the unbelievable vocation that you've been called to. And it's so much higher than ours as priests. Um, this is truly the highest. Why? Because the contemplative life is the deepest conformity to Christ in his relationship to the Father. 
contemplation images the divine Trinitarian life, which is one of total self-gift, but also of total and complete vision. This is what heaven is going to be. So you're imaging heaven, and you're participating and living in it through grace uh, in this life, and you're calling us to that. So, Amen. That's powerful. I think uh, whenever I think of contemplation, I think of... um, Thomas's definition, I know you're Thomistic, um, right? Which is tranquil abiding. To contemplate is to tranquilly, like stillness, um, quietly abide with the Lord. And uh, this might be a disturbing image to some of us, but uh, when you were talking about Cody sailing, like tranquil abiding, I just think of Cody wearing his American flag shorts, uh, (laughs) sitting on his yacht or his uh, sailboat looking out over that morning star, the, the sun rising, you know, just those, those beautiful moments that we try to grasp at, but we can't because they're so profound. That's contemplation. Like we, we can't grasp it, but when, when we receive it, when we get it, when, when God gives the gift of contemplation to us, we, we just savor it. We just tranquilly, uh, tranquilly abide there. Um, so that's beautiful. We'll, we'll come visit you. We'll come, uh, yeah, hopefully be able to take a retreat and pray with you guys. Yeah, I would love that. Um, yeah, I think you guys say it a lot better than I do. So, the I mean, the last thing I would always say to my family is, like, I'm not, you know, leaving because I'm not leaving out of fear uh, or hatred um, of the world or of them or anything like that, you know. Um, I love being in the world. I think I'm comfortable in the world. Um I'm going because I love them and because I love the world um, because I love the Lord most of all. So, yeah. Well, we love you too, Kate. Um, It is a uh, a great, it's going to be a great joy in two weeks to uh, walk with you. So they have a tradition in this community where the parents don't um, bring them. So you got to find somebody. So (laughs) it's me and Andrea and Eamon Naughton. Uh, that wild Irishman. Uh, so we'll be taking her up. Um, but again, as I mentioned to you, and this is the final thing I'll say, is um, relationships in Christ are deeper than physical intimacy. And I feel closer uh, and a deeper sense of just union um, to friends in consecrated life, some in monasteries. Um, and so, as you said, you're not running from the world uh, you're doing this because you love Christ who so loved the world um, that he he became man. And uh, so sharing in Christ is the greatest of gifts, though it is a sad and and painful thing to uh, to see you go. So we're very proud of you. Really proud of you. Thank you. And we love you. And Father Sean, too. He's just on the other side of the desk. That's right. So uh, please pray for Kate. Um, I got the missionaries of charity praying for you this morning. They're praying for Kate special this morning in the mass. And they'll ask about you every week. Uh, so pray for Kate. And um, yeah, we will, uh, she will not be on the podcast again. So <laughs> this is it, but you did it. And you did way better than Becca. Way better than Becca. Yeah. And Chris Lepsock. Shout out to the Spacia family, especially Chris and Meredith. You are so awesome. And we're so grateful for your beautiful daughter and the blessing she has been. Uh, and then if you have any other final shout outs other than your parents, Helen Blaine, Helen Blaine, (laughs) Helen Blaine, you're still stuck with us, Helen. That's right. All right. Let's wrap it up there. Great. Yeah. Thanks everyone. Thanks Kate. We'll miss you. We'll be praying for you.